welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. I'm going to uh, share with you this morning uh, something that's been on my heart for some time, and I believe that it has been confirmed by um, the spiritual environments that I've been um, involved with and, and also with um, the voices that I've heard and the voices that are speaking into our lives. And, and I've also uh, heard some of you say as well, either on your Facebook page or Instagram, that you're so thankful to be part of the family of God. And I'm going to share this morning around that aspect of, of, of the family of God to, to understand that the church is God's family. And if we could just have that first, there we go. Now, I have three titles for my message this morning. And uh, Jake thought I might ponder on it a little bit and then I would decide which one I like best. But I love both, all of them. They're not all original to me, but I believe that God wants to affirm us as his church family. And the, the second line there, to do family well, that, that is not original to me, but it was uh, something that Helen Burns uh, spoke about when we were at the art conference in the spring with Pastors Jake and Jenny, and it really impacted my heart when she shared. And then uh, my husband Blake and I were fortunate enough to be on uh, the island, and we were in Souk for a few days this week, and we were listening to James Robeson on the TV, and I was kind of lulling off to sleep, and I heard him say this phrase, we're the family of a perfect father. And I understand that for some of us, that word family can be a sensitive area. As much as God wants to use it so powerfully in in this season, in this time, that that for many of us, for some of us, uh, family is is painful. That uh, maybe there are unmet needs, unhealed hurts, there There may be just disappointments and even going so far as having neglect or abuse in our family of origin. And as we see around us, the deterioration of family in our culture, and yet in the midst of this, God wants to raise up a standard, and I believe that standard is the family of God. Where many of us have been wounded in our family of origin, that the family of God should be the source of healing and restoration. And I believe the voice of the Lord is that we do family well. So it's very important that we acknowledge our nuclear family, our our natural family, but it's important to understand how much greater the family of God is. Uh, The unit of God's family is, I believe, his original plan, and I believe it's part of his end plan as well. And I, see it, I believe that as we see things unfold in our, in our nation, in our land, in our communities, that this is true, that God wants to establish his family like never before. Uh, we think of a traditional family in the sense of mother and father, um, sisters and brothers, siblings, and extended family. And, uh, and that is very, very important. But I want us to think beyond that And just apply this in the context of the church of God being the family that God wants to uh, orchestrate and design. And that he is the perfect father of this family that we have been born into. 
And I like to look at the meaning of family in, in, in this uh, definition, that we are descendants of a common ancestor. We are descendants of a common ancestor. And that ancestor we know to be the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have been brought into the family of God because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, as we were encouraged and exhorted this morning that we can run boldly into his presence because of the precious blood of Jesus. And he wants us to have that kind of boldness. He wants us to have that kind of freedom. I'm always um, fascinated and interested in the term DNA. And I've always kind of known, I'm not a scientific person, but I've known that uh, DNA has to do with the molecules that, uh, that make us who we are. But our DNA is a long molecule containing our unique genetic code. So each of us has a long mole molecule that contains our genetic code. In other ways, I like that term unique because each of us has a unique code and uh, it, it declares who we are. It, it determines who we are. And uh, God wants us to understand who we are in him. As often now we are embracing our whole identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is that ancestor and our heavenly father is that perfect father. We often hear the term dysfunctional. And I don't know, but no matter how great our family is or how godly we are, we all have places of dysfunction in our lives. And I believe that, that God wants to cause us to be functional. To be dysfunctional means that we're not really operating according to uh, our purpose or our intent, God's intent for our lives. And so I believe that the Lord Jesus and God our Father deserves to have a family that's not dysfunctional, but is functional. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, for he who promised is faithful who will do it. There was an emphasis last week, as some of you shared, on the faithfulness of God. He is faithful who will do it. He has begun a good work, and he will complete it in us as we serve and follow him. So we're going to look at God's original tent, uh, intent just in a simple way this morning. In the, in the scripture in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Then God said, that's singular, he said, Let us make plural, in our image, plural, in our likeness. And that word image is a very important word for us. That God's DNA is so imprinted upon us in our personhood and in our being that he wants to bring forth that ancestral line of his DNA in our hearts and lives that we can be all that he's called us to be. And we see that the word image simply means likeness or resemblance that we resemble our perfect father. That seems sometimes impossible when we look at our situation, but that deposit of the DNA of the Lord Jesus is, is within us. The DNA of our father is within us, and he wants to bring forth that image, not the imprints or the images that we've experienced in our natural life, but that supernatural imprint of his, his hand upon our lives will bring us forth into what he desires us to be. I like this definition of image meaning representation, 
We are to be the representation of God in this earth, in our community, wherever we are, are functioning, and that we would be functional in those places. And we know that is a process. We know that our experience with God is when we become born again and born and bought with the precious blood of Jesus, it's, it's immediate, and it happens immediately and supernaturally. But the process of our becoming those sons and daughters of God that he wants to bring forth in his image is a process that we're all walking in no matter what stage we are in our life. Uh, the community of family is a reflection of the community of the Godhead. Right within the very Godhead, we see the example of family. We see Father, we see Jesus Christ the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit, the perfect Father and the perfect family represented to us in the, in the Godhead. And uh, community is such an important thing. Some of us are involved in, uh, in activities and communities in the church, but also outside the church. And, and community is such a, a longing in people's heart, and family is a longing in people's hearts. Often people will replace community for the purpose that God has for us to be the family of God. And I think those um, activities are wonderful, and they, they enhance people's lives. But the source of community and family is our God, our Father. So when we're in community, we share common characteristics and beliefs, particularly as the family of God, attitudes, interests, goals. And these, um, these, this sense of community and these interests that we have, that we share, create fellowship. Fellowship is an important word. That, and God wants us to be a family that's heart-connected. He wants us to fellowship on a heart level. Not that we would just connect in a superficial way, but in a deep way. And as we are approaching the future and uh, the, the, the fall, we want to really make a concerted effort that we would connect at a heart level in, a, in, in the way that God would have us be, community. And where there's gaps in our hearts and our lives, that God wants us to experience that sense of family and that sense of community. Our identity of family is rooted in God. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so we see this uh, originating in God and rooted in God. And God is a divine family, a supernatural family. And in God's nature, we see a variety of images or imagery that, that express family. We, we've already said he's our father. Um, he's, we see that in Genesis 15 where he reveals himself and he's, he says, I am a, a shield, I am a protector, I'm a guardian. And then further on in Genesis 17, he says, I am, I am God Almighty. And in Hebrew, that word means I'm the all-sufficient breasted one. That, that he is, there is imagery of God as being a nurturing mother. There is uh, imagery of God as being uh, our, our brother, our sister. Jesus is, is called our, our, our brother in, in the Lord. And, and we see imagery also that, that uh, he is our bridegroom. And uh, all these wonderful pictures and imagery of, of family that is contained in the Lord, in, in God. Ephesians 2, 18 and 19, in the New Living Translation, it says, Now all of us can come to the Father 
through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And uh, when we look at this again, we see that perfect family. We see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we also see that, that, that God had a purpose with his, his, his people, God's holy people. And we know those people to be um, Jewish people. Israel is part of our root system. And the holy people that he's talking there is that nation of Israel. I know that some of you have heard me share this story before, but it's, again, regarding DNA. And, and I, I grew up in a neighborhood, and I went to school where primarily a lot of my uh, friends and my schoolmates were, were Jewish. And so I understood them, and I understood their culture, and I loved them, and I loved their culture. And God placed something in an early age in my heart for, for that nation and for that people. And, and uh, I just love the exuberance that they share and express in their culture. And... And so um, as I thought about this, I always thought there was rumors that my grandfather was Jewish. And so I always wanted to find out if, if I was part Jewish. And uh, so my husband gave me a gift to uh, check my, my DNA, to check my inheritance. And, and uh, as it came back, it shows that I was primarily Scandinavian. And I was about 25 or 26% um, Scottish, Irish, and Welsh. So I was quite disappointed. I, I, I really had thought that I had that, that chutzpah. And uh, I do have that chutzpah because the Lord actually showed me that my spiritual DNA was much more powerful than my natural DNA. And uh, it's true. And, and God wants to breathe upon that. And, and for me, that's part of it. But for all of us, it is to understand that we have been grafted into a root system. Um, we just didn't manufacture as the church of God when, when Jesus came, but we were grafted into a root system, and that root system is the house of Israel and, and the Jewish people. And Jesus was a Jew. His disciples were, was, were Jewish. Um, the early church was all Jews until God called Paul to, to bring the, news of the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles, which most of us are. Um, but in the spirit, we can be we can be grafted in and understand because it tells us that in Romans 9. The God's fatherhood and family is manifested in two ways. It, it's manifested horizontally in our relationship with him, primarily in learning and growing and knowing what it means to be sons and daughters of God. And we really have been in that process. That is a process. And to heard uh, Reese speak last week about just some of the gaps in his own life, but how the God has brought him to a realization of what it is to be a son of God, to be a daughter of God. And often because of the dynamics of what we've gone through, naturally it's hard for us to really understand how great the love of the Father is for us. So we as a church, in growing to be his family, are learning what it is to be sons and daughters of God and just having that awesome relationship with him and, and flowing with him. And you know it's important that, that in the family of God, there's, as we said, there's mothers and fathers, there's sons and daughters, there's, there's brothers and sisters, there's all these manifestations of family, and so it is in the household of God as well. But we will never be able to be fathers and mothers in God's house until we embrace and learn what it is to be a son or a daughter. 
And we're in that process, all of us, to come to that place. And, and as we walk with him, he brings maturity in our lives and we become all that he wants us to be. There is um, our vertical responsibility. Vertical with the Lord and then there's the horizontal where we're brothers and sisters. And our vertical responsibility is developing our relationship, but, but obedience is an important part of our responsibility vertically to the Lord. And uh, sometimes we struggle with that, but it's a very important dynamic. As a parent, we all long for our children to be obedient. Yeah. Pastor Jake has shared about that, about obedience is so important to our hearts, and we long for that. We long for that obedience. And just imagine how much our Heavenly Father longs for our obedience. And Jesus modeled that when he was in the garden and praying in Luke twenty-two forty-two. He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so he was willing to fulfill the purpose and the will of his Father. He surrendered, but he struggled in his humanity. In Matthew 16, 24, the Lord says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is our vertical responsibility, to be willing to surrender and lay our lives down before the Lord. And then that horizontal responsibility, I believe, is expressed in one word. And that word is love. One word is love. You know, I've heard many people, a few people, diminishing the message of love in the household of God, saying the church is becoming too love-dominated, the, the, the church is becoming too wishy-washy, all about love. But love is such a powerful, powerful word. Love is such a strong word. It's the deepest longing of all humanity to have a sense of belonging, to have a sense of being loved, to know that we're loved unconditionally. And uh, this, is, this is our horizontal responsibility. And it's challenging, isn't it? Because we're all unique and we're all different. And, and sometimes we can get on each other's nerves, to be quite honest. And there's people in the family of God that we just don't like so much. Or they don't like us so much. I know that. But God wants us to love one another. In 1 John 4, it tells us that God is love and that we as his children are to love one another. And if we do not, then the love of the Father is not in us. To me, that's a strong word. That's not a wimpy word. It's a challenge. It's a task to love. And our greatest call horizontally is to love. I have been so impressed by the portion of Scripture in John 13, 34, and 35. And this is a Scripture that we all know. I've walked with the Lord most of my life, and I'm, I've sung this, I've, I've read this, but it has so impacted me recently. And uh, Pastor Jake shared about this uh, recently as well. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You know, some of us who were alive and uh, well during the charismatic movement, we used to sing this, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, kumbaya, kumbaya. And, uh, you know, we didn't really embrace what we were singing or we didn't even fully um, understand the challenges of what that meant. But there was something that happened when the Holy Spirit fell during that season that poured out love in our hearts. Romans 5, 5 says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit. 
And so it's possible. But just think about it. To love each other the way Jesus has loved us. That has challenged me. But, you know, we always want to present our successes. We always want to present where we have achieved and we've been successful. But I felt the Lord saying to me, I want you to look at those places where you've ultimately failed. Where you failed as a mother, when you were demanding and perfectionistic and performance-oriented, and that has wounded your children. That's where I want you to look at. The Lord wants us to look at those places today and to see how much God has loved us. God has loved me unconditionally. In that place where I was a failure in my marriage with my husband and disappointed him and hurt his heart. You know, those are the kind of things we just don't want to look at. We want to avoid. But when I look at this scripture, God said to me, I want you to look at that. And I want you to remember and I want you to think about how my unconditional, incredible love met you in those places. And I drew you to myself over and over and over and over again. And I'm here today because of that unconditional, powerful, strong love of God. And so we are able, because of what Jesus has done for us in the love department, loving us, that we are able to love one another. In the midst of this becoming the family of God, we are called to reverse curses in the earth. That we don't have to look very far to see that that there is so much that is wrong. And uh, we have been called as the family of God to reverse the curses that are upon our hearts, upon our lives, upon our marriages, our families, our homes, our communities. God calls us to reverse curses. We're seeing this in the, in the media and we're seeing it all over. Just in our own province, we, the two young men from Port Bernie who committed murder in our province of British Columbia, 18 and 19 years old. If that isn't a result of the curse, I don't know what is. And all the violence that's being expressed in the United States and around the world. And as they examine these young men in their lives, many of them are young men. And they're young, like their early 20s. And, and we see and they recognize and they've, they've discovered that it is because there is a lack of fathers in their lives that have been able to impart to them and to give them that sense of destiny and meaning. And so the brokenness manifests itself in extreme ways. And yet we are called as the family of God. He wants us to reverse the curses. He wants to give us what we need to, to break the power of every curse that would come up, uh, on our society and our land. The family of God with a perfect father, a perfect model of a family. A curse is the supernatural power to inflict harm or evil. And uh, you know, there are different reasons that we know that the enemy of our soul, the Satan, is the source of all curses, and uh, that we can break the power of those things. But also that there can be generational curses that are in our, our lives through sickness, through addictions, through a weakness, through fear. All of these things can be things that have transferred to us from our natural, natural DNA or our natural family environment. And yet we know that the DNA of God is within us and he wants to give us the power to break all of those, those things that are curses in our lives. Malachi 4, 5, and 6, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children 
and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Now, in God's family, in God's church, we've been in a process of where the hearts of the fathers have been turned to the children to really have hearts. If we're called to be mothers and fathers in God's house, that our hearts would be turned to the sons and daughters. But it says here, too, that the sons and the, uh, the hearts of the sons and the daughters would be turned to the fathers. That that is necessary for that curse to be broken over, over the situations that would be negative and the, those things that would appear to be curses. That he would send the, the spirit of Elijah. And, you know, um, the, the spirit of Elijah was amazing because it was the spirit of, uh, he was a great prophet of God. He was a, a man and a prophet of God that brought restoration to the household of, of Israel. He moved in signs and wonders if we look at his story. And, and we also see that he was brought, he had the ability through the ministry of his, his life to be able to bring uh, a whole nation to repentance. And that's what that fathering spirit, that's what this spirit is. And also that he was a God, he was uh, ministered in the power of restoration. But one of the main things that he operated in was the spirit of fathering, the spirit of fathering. We see this in the example of his spiritual son who was Elisha. And you know, when he was called of the Lord to, to, to be uh, Elijah's successor. And he would just go everywhere Elijah went. And uh, he just followed Elijah and followed the anointing wherever it was. And, and he got close to his father. And he even said, Father, Father, my father, my father. That's how he, uh, he addressed um, Elijah. And when Elijah was taken up, it says in the word of God that that mantle, the mantle represents the anointing or the gifting, that that anointing fell upon Elisha. And it said it was a double portion. That God wants to give the, the generations a double portion of the anointing. And in that heart of restoration, the heart of turning the hearts of the children to the, to, the, to the fathers and the fathers to the children. So there was such value in that. Such value in it. The principle of heaven is generations. And this has been such a passion of my heart. Um, perhaps because I am a mother in the house of God and have been so for a long time. But I just thank the Lord for that, that principle of heaven that is the generations coming together to fulfill the purposes of God as the family of God. We see this in Exodus 3, 6, where out of, the, you know, the story of the burning bush where, where um, God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. And what did he say to him? So he said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Jesus repeated this in the Gospels in Matthew twenty-two thirty-two. 32. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wants us, that generation, to come together, no matter where we are in the, in the body of Christ. There is a term that there is success in succession. What does succession mean? Well, that means that, that there is a legacy that is carried on that the things of God and the things of the Spirit are to be carried on. I don't know what you think about the monarchy. I like the monarchy. I love jolly old England. And I guess it's because of that 25% of me that is British. But anyway, I, I think it's a, an, an awesome picture. We look at Queen Elizabeth II. She's the longest reigning uh, monarchy in England in history. She's 93 years old, still going strong, it appears. And um, that she came to the throne 
sort of by accident in a way because her father, her father Ed, or um, George VI, uh, took on the throne after his brother Edward VIII. History lesson abdicated the throne because he was in love with a divorcee from the United States. And so her father became king, and then she became queen. And we know that if she sits, sits down from the throne, that her son Charles will be king, or perhaps Prince William will be king. We don't know how that will all unfold, but there is success in succession. And it's really important that that be expressed. Most of you, a lot of you in, in Hope City Church, are new. This is a new church for you. It's an exciting place for you. And uh, that's, that's really wonderful and important. But I felt the Lord just wanted me to share for a few minutes that, that we are people who have a history. We have a legacy. And uh, I was called to pastor in the early 1990s, um, sort of like Queen Elizabeth by, by abdication, but it wasn't something that I had planned for myself. I would always endeavor to be faithful, to minister where God called me to minister. And, uh, you know, to be a woman pastor is not the easiest thing, but thankfully God gives grace, and I had a husband who stood by me during those days. And so we uh, pastor a Living Word Christian Fellowship. We're, we're a, a body, a family that has changed our names a few times, and that has been a good thing because it expresses the new thing that God is doing. And uh, so in that uh, particular body, um, we, we uh, serve the Lord there. And we had our uh, building, which we have since sold some years ago. And, and in that time, uh, I developed some spiritual daughters and some spiritual sons, and the family of God grew. Uh, one of those spiritual daughters is here today, Jamie Sabrin. She was kind of like uh, Elisha. She followed all the intercessors around and uh, got near the anointing. And she was only in her early 20s at that time and just had a hunger for God. And uh, we would often have different ministries come into the church. And one of those ministries was the ministry of Teen Challenge. And the director of Teen Challenge at that time, his name was Sean Sabrin. And he came into Living Word Christian Fellowship. And the Spirit of God just met him in his heart and said, You are home. Maybe some of you, as you've come into Hope City, the Lord has just put that in your heart. I'm home. It's so important for us to be able to have a home in the household of God. Not long after, he saw a beautiful blonde girl in a red cape, and he said, I'm going to marry that girl. And uh, Jamie, being the woman that she was, resisted that quite, quite aggressively. But uh, God won in the end, and uh, they courted, and they were engaged, and they were married, and it was a really wonderful thing. Uh, Sean and Jamie uh, were partners with Blake and I as we pastored, and in our hearts they were going to be the succession of what God would bring forth in the days ahead. Sean was instrumental in moving us or transplanting us from Cloverdale here to Abbotsford, and uh, that was uh, some time ago, and we um, ministered together. During that time, it was a very painful time that Sean was diagnosed with cancer when he was just a young man. In, 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 he was just 40. And the reason I'm telling you this is because it was during that time that God enabled us by his grace to do family well. Sean had a history as well. That he was adopted when he was a baby 
by a loving family, a believing family. But there can be a gap left in our heart. When we're adopted, we may feel rejection. We may not fully be able to embrace being a, a son of God, a daughter of God. That is a very painful thing. But as he um, walked with God, God was wanting to bring that sonship to the foreground for him. And during that time, for us, it was a year and a half, we walked through as a family that during that time, we saw Sean's heart be solidified in his sonship. And not only that, but that he understood what it was to be part of the family of God because the family of God did family well. They gathered around, they supported, they loved, they valued, you know, what his contribution was. And so, Sean, in um, November 2016, went and moved to his ultimate home, to his father's house. I like that. So one day we're all going to move to our father's house. And uh, we don't understand these things when they happen. They're painful. It's hard. Loss and, and, and pain is difficult. But it happens to us even in the family of God. But it's good to do family well to support one another, to love one another, to cherish one another. And that, that was the case during that time. And uh, we didn't know how God was going to manifest succession. We were just waiting upon the Lord and, and uh, seeking his guidance. And through the circumstances and, and through his leading that God directed us to approach Pastor Jake and Pastor Jenny to come and, and to help us and to, to be those lead pastors who would lead us into our future. Because in our heart, we had a, a passion for the generations. And we had limitations because we are mature. And we're fathers and mothers. But there needed to be that dynamic that, that would cause young people, people to be stirred and drawn. And, and you are here. Amen. You are here today because of that awesome God who is so faithful and wants that success to happen through succession. He wants us to, to be fruitful in every season of our life. I love to pray this word and I love to speak about this word in Joel 2, 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions and also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days says the Lord and those days are now those days uh, manifested in the in the uh, book of Acts but they are manifesting now that he wants to pour out his spirit more than ever before this is a passion I have that the generations will be filled with the Holy Spirit and and have that spirit of Elijah upon their lives and and God is so faithful to desire to bring that forth in these days as we, as we wait upon him. And he, he is manifesting his heart towards us in that way, pouring out his spirit upon us. Uh, recently, at the end of uh, June, I was, had the privilege of going to a prayer conference. I have a passion for prayer. You know, if we look at that scripture where it talks about old men will dream dreams, you know, we, we have a kind of funny idea of what that is, of, so those of us who mature, we're just sitting in a rocking chair dreaming about the things that we didn't do or we could have done or we wished we could have done. I don't believe that that's what that scripture means. I believe that, that 
that we will fulfill and continue to fulfill the dreams that God's placed in us. But there is even other ways that God can cause those dreams to be fulfilled. And I think that particularly happens through the generations that God will bring forth. That I believe that he's doing that naturally and he will do it spiritually. Um, I listened to um, this young man. We went to this prayer conference, and it was here locally. It was um, sponsored by Transform Ministries, a church in our uh, community, and, and also by Watchmen for the Nations that have been a prayer ministry for our nation of Canada for a long time, and also uh, by uh, the Church of Zion, Gideon Chu's church. And they're primarily an Asian church. And it's amazing. Asian people... We think of them as being very conservative, but they are so passionate for the Lord. It was so beautiful to see their passion and their passion for the family of God. And they had beautiful, endearing terms that, that if, if they would speak to me, they would call me Mama Adrian, and that's just fine with me. Anybody, just bring it on. I'm happy to be Mama Adrian. Or Papa Blake. It was so dear. Papa Gideon, they called him, and... And there was just such a connection, a real heart connection of family that was manifest in these spirit-filled Asian believers who God has brought from another nation into our country to speak something to us about his heart and about his love and, and, and family. And uh, Caleb Chu is, is Gideon's son. And he is a wonderfully gifted young man, a beautiful worship leader and, and um, musician. And he uh, was um, ministering. And he uh, spoke a word that was very impacting. And, and what he said was, young man's vision to fulfill an old man's dream. That that is a possibility. And that's something that God wants. He wants uh, the dreams of our spiritual mothers and fathers to be fulfilled. And that is the, the longing of our, our hearts who are mothers and fathers. That those dreams of God. Those, that heart of God that is in the word of God are going to be fulfilled by the generations that are coming behind us. And so as fathers and mothers at this point in our life, we just want to bless. Sean um, preached a message at one point, and it was on the blessing of God. And uh, he, he gave some really tangible ways that we can be a blessing. You see, a way that we can break the power of the curse is to be a people that bless. To be a people that bless. I have not always done that. I have not always been able to do it because my nature is always to see what needs to change or needs to be adjusted or needs to be fixed. <laughs> but God wants us to be mothers and fathers and sons and daughters who bless. How can we bless? By meaningful touch. We go around the service and we awkwardly try to connect and, and, and hug each other or express our affection for one another. How many of you feel really, really comfortable with that? Raise your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, all these sanguine people here. Bless you in Jesus' name. But for most of us, it's a little exercise. <laughs> but God wants us to be exercised in being able to bless to be able to bless, to have meaningful touch, to, to have those public expressions of affection is fine and wonderful in the household of God. There's impartation that happens, there's safety that happens, there's security that happens. 
spoken messages. We want to bless with the messages of our lips, what we say, words of affirmation, words of encouragement. I've been so blessed by some of you who have encouraged and blessed me. It's so wonderful to have people speak words of encouragement and blessing in our hearts and lives. We're to attach a high value to those who are in the family of God. We're not to dishonor or we're not to diminish anyone in the family of God, that each person is valuable, is valuable in the household of God and to, to bless that, to bless and to exercise those abilities to bless and have a high value for even the little ones, the little, little ones who are here or they're in the Sunday school, that we would bless them, that they would not be invisible to us, but we would see them with the heart of the Father, the perfect Father. Picture a special future for those that we want to bless. Can you picture a special future, a special future for your sons and your daughters to visualize and, and see them, how God sees them, the potential that is there, the gifting is there. And, and some of the most challenging uh, relationships, there's, that's where there's such gifting. There's such blessing upon their lives that God wants us to see. And then to be an actual act of have a commitment to see that blessing come forward. And that takes sacrifice of our lives and takes time. And, and God wants us to impart that to one another and to be people of blessing to break the power of the curse. Lastly, there's hope for those who are solitary. You know, um, for some of us, we may feel really connected in this church family. And for some of us, we may feel disconnected. We may not feel that kind of connection that's necessary to grow and to flourish. But the promise of God we see in Psalm 68, 5 and 6, he is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. And you know, we always look at the negative of rebellion, and it's it's. it's it's a sad thing to see. But usually that is, this, is so because there are unmet needs, unhealed hurts. There's things that God wants to minister deeply into. And so, you know, we can have children, sons and daughters who perform perfectly. And they're accepted and loved. But we can have sons and daughters who are just not able to perform. And we would see them as being rebellious. But often those are the ones who have the greatest treasure within so those of you who are parents today, you have prodigals, you have rebellious ones in your family, let the hope of God come to your heart that God has a special future and plan for those ones to pray and to visualize what God desires to bring them into in, in, in their future and, and all that he has for them. And if you are alone, God wants you to be connected. And I believe, you know, these are, this is, this is theology. This is biblical teaching. But God wants to do this in a practical way. He wants us to practically find ways where we can be family, be connected. As you young people are an example of that, sitting here today, that, that you are connected together. And that's a wonderful thing. Look at me. Look at me. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to be a son and a daughter of God. And that you are in a safe place. You are in the household of God where you can flourish if you continue to follow the Lord. 
And God wants each of us to have that place of belonging, each of us to have that place of safety. And for we who are mothers and fathers, he wants us to be invested with everything that is within us in prayer and in helping, in serving, and being what we can be to encourage you, young ones, to be the best you can be and to understand that, that, that the mature ones also need that affirmation and encouragement. They need that place to flourish. The family, the whole family needs a place to flourish together. That is God's desire. That's God's heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just one more thought. Just one more thought. We've been told that this is going to be a year of unity, breakthrough, and defeating giants. I think of uh, the prayer of Jesus in John 17. It's called his priestly prayer, the, the prayer that Jesus brought to his father. And, and uh, I love that. We could preach on that for a long time too. But just the heart of Jesus towards his father, over and over in that portion of scripture, he's saying, Father, Father, Abba, Abba. The Jewish and the Aramaic meaning of, of Father is Abba. Isn't that beautiful? Abba. Let's say that together. Abba. 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 How many times passionately Jesus cried out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. And uh, through this prayer, he prayed for himself. He prayed for his disciples. And he prayed for all believers. I'm going to just read a little more portion of scripture than, than what was on the overhead there. And in John 17, 21, such a powerful portion of scripture. In verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, That the world may believe that you sent me. The same message that, that as we love one another, the world will understand that who our Father is. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as much as you love me. Jesus loves you. God loves you. The Father loves you as much as he loves his son, Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Amazing love of Jesus. So we have a perfect father. He wants us to do family well. And I just, in these last moments as we're together, can we just bring our hearts before the Lord this morning and just allow him to minister to our hearts. I know that some of us have a genuine, real understanding of what it means to be a son of God, a daughter of God. Some of us are in the process. Some of us have been wounded in life, and so we're still needing to have that affirmed in our hearts, in our lives. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.